This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Believe Podcast Network presents the FCS Football Podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. Welcome back to the FCS Football Podcast presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Joe DeLeon, as always, joined by my wonderful friend and former teammate, Mr. Sean Anderson, teammate of mine at the University of Rhode Island. This is the FCS Football Podcast, your go-to source for FCS football analysis and breakdowns, filling you in on more than just the headlines and the big names. We'll go even deeper than that. We're going to break things down. We look at the film. We let you know everything. And there's not a single FCS show out there that does the does things the way that we do them. Sean, oh, how, what do you give me that look for? How you doing? I mean... Uh, you've been partaking with some other FCS uh, football uh, hosts and content creators that that seem Why? to be I was uh, talking on the to same Brian page as you. Why? Because I was talking to uh, um, oh my god, what's his name? Brian McLaughlin. Yeah, Brian McLaughlin on Twitter. He he was posting about the the C- it's CAA week for Hero Sports, and I was just really interested in all the the upsets that they were tweeting about, uh, and it made me think of the, that Towson game a few years ago where they they played lsu really close and they were the third team in the country so hmm. okay well sean we have uh yet another fcs conference preview we're starting to actually come to the end of this we don't have that many left i think we have three or four until we're done and wrapped up with all of these conferences and we're really hitting the stride of the really really good conferences at this level and today's show is going to be the Ohio Valley Football Conference. But before we get into all that, there is news that we want to discuss that was made relevant last week. Florida A&M, a current member of the MEAC, is making a transition to the SWAC. Yet another HBCU conference, making that switch that was what the you know the the big thing that happened last week is that Florida A&M, who's been a consistent good program, decided that they wanted to move out, and then it was announced shortly after that they're going to be moving into the SWAC. So it seems like the SWAC added a little bit of extra juice here, Sean, with a good team and uh, Florida A&M, though very very good program. Yeah, more talent, more competition in the SWAC this upcoming season, and you know there's more dogs at the bowl now, so that's going to be a really uh, competitive conference this year. Yeah, interesting decision by them to decide to just swap uh, in in the one of the HBCU conferences that aren't eligible for the FCS playoff. I think a lot of people thought that that was what this move was going to be. Some people were saying it, when the, there was such a short window when it was actually announced what conference they were going to, but a lot of people were saying, "Oh, they're going to go to the Big South just like NCAA and T is doing," but instead they're they're staying in uh, in one of the HBCU conferences, staying in the SWAC, and still competing for the Independence Bowl. 
Sean, we are going to be talking, like I said, about the Ohio Valley Football Conference. And man, this was a really, really good conference last year. And just to run through the standings from 2019, like we've done with every single conference, Austin P. My favorite team from last year, the team that I kept picking to win games, Ugh. and I consistently... Oh, you just hate Austin P, P man. Enough. Give it a break, you're a, Joe. You're Give biased. it a break. You're biased. It's I'm okay. not saying I'm not. Well, the uh, darling from the OVC <laughs> Don't you last year, 11-4, 7-1, won the conference, made a decent run in the playoffs. Cinderella I constantly boy. picked them. God. <laughs> Thanks for interrupting me. Uh, Southeast Missouri State, 9-4, 7-1, right behind them, just barely getting beaten out by Austin P. UT Martin, 7-5, 6-2. And then we have this good cluster of uh, around 500 teams. Eastern Kentucky, 7-5, 5-3. Tennessee Tech, 6-6, 3-5. The school of, uh, of Sean Anderson's father, where he played. And mother. Uh, and mother, well, we're talking about football, but Jacksonville mm. State six and six, three and five, incredibly underwhelming season. As many assumed that they were going to continue their trend of dominance in the OVC, but instead that didn't exactly work out for them last year. Looking for a bounce back here. Murray State four and eight, two and six. Tennessee State three and nine, two and six. And then Eastern Illinois with a very disappointing season. The school of Jimmy Garoppolo one and eleven. One in seven in conference. Sean, we've got some really fun guys here on the on this list, and it's not as deep as last week's show was, but I think that some of these top level players are more talented, if not the same level of talent as last week's conference that we broke down. And this first guy that we have to talk about, Sean, is Zara Cooper, who besides the guy named Trey Lance in North Dakota at North Dakota State, he is considered to be the best FCS quarterback prospect coming into this 2020 season six foot four 225 last year he was very productive throwing for 3,404 yards 28 touchdowns and 12 interceptions also added on 320 rushing yards and six touchdowns but he has to be one of the favorites to be arguably the best player returning in this conference yeah uh you have a lot more uh notes on him than I do but from what I saw uh, from Mr. Cooper was that he stays composed in the pocket. He doesn't look like he gets rattled after sacks or turnovers. Uh, he seems very cool headed. He actually reminds me of our quarterback who, if you're an FCS fan, you probably have heard of him probably two years ago. Uh, Juwan Lawson. Um, it just, their throwing motion, their, their almost blase style of, of throwing the ball and, and running the position of quarterback on the team. Uh, very similar, and I, I think that's a very good trait to have. Um, he never looks like he's uh, being sporadic or uh, not in control, even if he does throw a turnover or overthrows a receiver, um, which he does do sometimes on deeper routes. Uh, he always looks like uh, he's been unfazed. I really like that you brought up his composure because if you will go and watch him, that has to have been the first thing that stood out to me was – the way that he plays, he, he seems very calm, level-headed, doesn't get too high or low, almost the Eli Manning factor. Obviously, Eli Manning uh, would be the extreme in this situation, but always the same temperature, not too hot, not too cold in terms of his demeanor, commanding the offense, operating like a professional and like a technician. But when I see what he is as a prospect and as a player, really, really tight spiral, that thing 
flies off his hand, extremely tight coming off. Very good uh, pocket presence, too. I don't see him ever get overly flustered. He stays calm. He makes those throws like you kind of talked about a little bit, Sean. And the one thing that also stood out to me is I'm watching him throw, and it feels like he's he's barely putting anything into it, like when you're watching him throw it. If you just watch his arm motion, it's almost like he's barely throwing it. But if you see the ball, it's flying off his hand. So he's he has very natural arm strength. Uh, for a taller, bigger quarterback, so he has exactly, I think, what you want in terms of size and all that, all that um, good traits that you want in a quarterback for the next level. Yes, and uh, I'll take us into who will who will probably be his first and or second favorite target next year. Jacksonville State wide receiver KJ Stefferson, number one on the field, six feet tall, 185 pounds. Last year, uh, 36. Oh, he was also a Notre Dame transfer. Uh, 36 catches, 479 yards, and six touchdowns. Uh, what was that, Joe? Did you have something to say? I said thank you for uh, reading the note that I put. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's playing FCS now, so I don't know. You know, if you had said, like, you know, USC transfer, I probably would have mentioned okay, that. Get, go Trojans. Just get, but, get, get on with uh, it. But, yeah, get on I'll, with I'll, it. I'll just go with that. <laughs> but from what I saw from Stefferson is uh, I like how he runs his entire route full speed. Um, and every uh, wide receiver is, you know, running their route at 100%. But it looks like when he's running it, he knows that it'll be the route that'll take it to the house. Uh, every play, it seems like his mentality is if they throw me the ball in this route, I'm going to make sure that I can get the ball and score, which is something I really like. And you're probably like, Sean, what the hell are you talking about? He's not saying this. Uh, he just looks like he's running around, but it's different on some of the the different routes that you see him run. Like receivers will not, they won't give up, but they'll know when, um, when to almost settle for just a completion. This guy doesn't ever look like he wants to settle for a completion. He he wants to get touchdowns every play. And, uh, with Stefferson, he was a little bit buried last year with a lot of talented guys ahead of him, particularly Josh Pearson, who will be potentially catching passes from Tom Brady, uh, this next year, but this is Stefferson's time to step up. He contributed a bit last year, not as much as I think we would like to see, and I think he has the lowest stats from anyone on this list, but if we're just talking about potential and what he could be, he is on the list of guys from these resources we go to for potentially making it to the next level. He has the traits, now we just need to see him put up the production to back it up and and flash the, the type of talent, all the things that you pointed out, Sean, that, that he does really, really well. Our next guy, and we have another receiver who is easily the best returning sleeve, uh, receiver in the Ohio Valley. That is Austin P. wide receiver D'Angelo Wilson, five foot eight, 165. A bit of a light guy, but that does not stop him from burning people and blowing past defenders. 89 catches. 1,564 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. He is so quick, Sean. His feet are quick. He's a shifty guy. He's always trying to look for ways to to create some space, moving his feet really quick, just doing whatever he can to create some separation. And once he gets that little sliver of space, he's gone. Yeah, uh, a couple things that I have on Wilson. Uh, He's like a zone breaker to me. Uh, His size lets him help slip by everything and find the soft spots. And you can spot up and just make a play, make a catch, get a first down. Um, And then for some reason in football, we've been inundated with comparing um, players, all types of players, to dogs. 
And um, I don't know why. I don't know why we do that. It is the silliest thing. But now, as an analyst, for some reason, when you see a player, you think of a dog. And when I saw uh, D'Angelo Wilson, I thought of an English bull terrier. Um, and it, 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 you say what you want. Uh, you can say that's foolish. I know it is. But you look at an English bull terrier. You look at how D'Angelo Wilson plays. It is very similar, and they are reminiscent. I mean, this guy's a beast. Uh, he is, like Joe said, a focal point of this offense. They run sweeps with him. He's always involved. If there's a trick play, or if there's some type of of um, play in a game that you know, because I'm going to key you in here. Each team has two or three plays a game that they know will work, that will certifiably work if given the right situation for the defense. And if an offense is able to put the defense in that situation, it's going to bust open. And for Austin P, when those come around, it's going to D'Angelo Wilson. So that, that that's the type of guy that you have uh, running routes for you. That was the oddest comp. You, you got all big-headed when you made your ATV comparison, and then now you're you're out here calling guys uh, English bull terriers. Well, I'm not going to call them a pit bull or a bulldog or a rottweiler like know. everyone else calls everybody I'm else. Not, I think it's a good comp. I just, I've never, that's just a it very interesting your brain. Pull. It's okay. You know, it's, it's an I, interesting I wouldn't pull. expect it to. I mean, uh, we're going to, you're going to like compare someone to like a husk of corn one week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's my only non uh, football comparison on the list. Okay. You'll probably get one a week right. from me, Joe. You're going to tell uh, Van Gogh when his inspiration is going to strike. Oh, I think you're not. calling yourself Van Gogh now. <laughs> Calm down. Sean, you want to take us over to the patch? I'd love to take us over to the patch. Uh, today, we have two offensive linemen uh, to go over here. Austin P. center and guard, Blake Mitchell. I love that versatility. And UT Martin guard, Aries Davis. I'll start with Mitchell, six foot one, three oh five. Really stout guy. Um, you watch his film, and you're wondering, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing him. He's not the most uh, athletic lineman in terms of explosiveness or quick twitch. But when I watched him, I couldn't stop watching him because uh, he's on this list because his effort on the field supersedes all other things. And when you're an NFL scout, that's something that really stands out for you because you can always you, you can always work on technique. You can always fix tech stuff. You can get a guy on the ladder, get his feet better. But it, it's about a will and a want at offensive line. And Blake Mitchell, his feet are always moving. He's always going uh, through the whistle, uh, and that's a really good attribute to have, especially when you're trying to put your best foot forward with scouts. Our second offensive lineman here, UT Martin guard, Aries Davis, six foot two, 310 pounds. Uh, he is a third and short specialist. If he gets his uh, proper lean and leverage going, uh, there's nobody that's going to stop, uh, get past him. Uh, a running back or a quarterback could sneak right behind him, get a first down. Uh, uh, UT Martin, if they play their cards right, third and short should be a, an automatic. Um, he's a steamroller when he gets a speed up on poles and getting to the second level. Really good stuff there uh, from him. Uh, I really like Davis. I think he has active feet, active hands. Uh, I like a, a couple times uh, you see him get caught lunging, but that happens to all offensive linemen. Uh, it's only on stunts, though. One-on-ones, uh, he's, he's solid as a rock. So uh, that's the patch, Joe. Well, thank you for the, the wonderful notes on our two offensive linemen from this week. Sean, we got another guy that's not an offensive lineman, but he is a blocker. That is Jacksonville State tight end 
Trey Berry, two years in a row making it on the Ohio Valley list here on the FCS Football Podcast. 6'6", 235. Berry is a huge guy. Big, big target for Zarek Cooper. 25 receptions, 330 yards, and a touchdown last year. A little bit down in production, but still has that big playability, has that red zone threat type of a target in his game. And I think that he's exactly what you want, a guy that's going to make those grabs, come across the middle of the field, that can go up top and he can make a play and bully a smaller linebacker or a safety that's trying to cover him because he, he has that size. And I he is considered to be one of the better top FCS tight end prospects coming into this season. Uh, this guy is a phenomenal athlete. Um, it, football, he's got really, really good speed, uh, good vertical threat guy, good route runner. Uh, but also, uh, I mean, the dude threw in states in high school, the javelin and the discus. Uh, he also has a ton of, of uh, basketball clips of him uh, just yamming on dudes. Uh, he's a great athlete, <laughs> and that's what you need uh, at tight end. That's what you really like to recruit. Um I remember when uh, you or I came to visit, it was, they were talking to me and a couple other teammates and uh, coach uh, Ari Confessor asked to see, uh, because we play basketball at the time, asked to come see our practice just to see how we moved around and see how we moved because um, it was in the winter. Um, and, and if someone was going to Trey Berry and they saw the same thing, they're like, oh, this guy's a good athlete. We need him on the team. Uh, and that's what I really like about him. He played multiple sports. He's just a really good athlete. Uh, Jacksonville State's got a really good tight end here. And NFL coaches are obsessed with finding basketball guys to play tight end. I, I don't know what the obsession is. It works sometimes. It tends to work more often well, than not Well, Joe, if, it, they, it, if they have a background. It coincides it, it, – it works um, – with the position best, the the, yeah. the parallels between the two, the box outs, the jump the balls, size, you have yep. to be able to to move your feet quickly to go against safeties and stuff like that. It, it, it's a it's a crazy parallel that some scout found, and now it, it, you can't escape it. Now it, that's what they look yeah. for. But now we are on to the defense, and I'll start us off here with Austin P. Defensive tackle Josephus Smith, number forty four on the field. If you're watching next year, five foot nine, two hundred and eighty five pounds last year. 51 tackles, 19 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Um, I just know that if I was playing in the Ohio Valley Football Conference, I would not be able to stand uh, going up, up up against this guy. Uh, shorter defensive linemen are so hard to block, and Smith takes every advantage of that. He takes every advantage of being able, being able to get his pads lower, his hands lower, uh, driving linemen back and making a tackle in the backfield. Uh, he is a, a, a great example if you're if you're doing a film tape room of how to do that uh, for, for linemen, especially interior linemen underneath the, 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 the height of six foot two. Sean, I think without a doubt, Smith has to be my favorite player on this list like it's not even close I, I I can't think of any other reason why I would pick anyone else because as someone who played under the typical size for my position Smith is well below the the height requirement typically needed for playing defensive tackle and he plays like he's six foot five 330 pounds he is immovable and because of the his pad level and how low he is to the ground he is so hard 
to beat him in terms of leverage. So, you know, typically you kind of just talked about this here. Typically, if you're a, a six foot three guard going up against a defensive tackle, that's six, three, six, four, or even six, two, it's a matter of who fires out the lowest, but because Smith fires out so low and he's already pretty low to the ground, no one can get under his pads. He's too strong. Once he already beats you out with leverage, there's a reason why he's so productive because despite not being conventional height for a defensive tackle, and in some cases, schools won't recruit a guy because he's at that five nine five ten mark. But Austin P was smart. They they took the uh, they took Smith and were willing to work with him, and they knew that he could body people in the interior. And he might not be the the biggest guy in terms of taking up space, but because of how much of a problem he is for opposing offensive linemen, they have no clue what to do against him. Because they, they they can't get under his pads. He's just driving them back well below wherever they can get, get a good reach on him. I, I mean, Joe, you, you've seen the, the shoot drills that we went through every single day. Uh, do you, 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 but I'm sure you can guess why we did that, right? Yeah. For yes, guys exactly. like Joseph Smith, exactly yeah. <laughs> that. It, that's the reason we did the shoot drill. And a lot of the times it still isn't enough. All right, Sean, our next player, Tennessee Tech defensive end, Chris Tucker, six foot two, 260, 56 tackles last year, 13 and a half tackles for loss, and five and a half sacks. I, I think Tucker has to probably be the, the best player on this uh, Tennessee Tech team returning this upcoming season. Very productive, was a you know problem for opposing tackles, and just very, very... Um, aggressive and chasing down the ball and, and trying to look for ways to make plays. Yeah. Six foot two, 260 is a frame of someone that's going to hit you with a long arm and drive you back and, and, and work that on you all game. Uh, Tucker, he's got the, the frame and the build and the athletic abilities to, to develop every single pass rush move and tool that he wants to. And now this next season, if he does and chooses to, um, which I fully believe that he can, uh, can be super impactful for Tennessee tech next year. And now, Joe, uh, if I may, Tennessee State defensive end Emmanuel Olenga is the next player on our list. Six foot four, 250 pounds, previously at Campbell last year, 30 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss. Uh, what I see from him, uh, he's got a super high motor. Um, and then if I can get into the nitty gritty, you have to respect his power moves because he's uh, incredibly strong and he's always got good body posture coming off the, the line. He's got very long arms, so you have to respect his ability to get your hands in your chest if you're an offensive lineman and drive you back. But then when you think that the bull rush is coming, he is fantastic at swimming inside or ripping around the outside, and then he's going to punish the quarterback. So he is, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, um, as physically engaged in the game, he is just as intellectually engaged in the game. It's like it's like he's playing chess with you. He's just setting you up, setting you up, setting you oh. up, and then he's gonna strike and take your bishop or or your your rook or whatever. And then that's what's so um, appealing of Olenga. And obviously, some of this stuff is going to be uh, called by the defensive coordinator, but they also understand that Olenga's already playing his own game with the offensive lineman. Yeah, and I think that has to be a really underrated trait with talking about defensive ends and pass rushers is that if you know how to play and win the mind games against opposing tackles, because some guys won't even really consider or pay attention to 
what moves the other guys are doing or they'll get too sold and bite on one very easily. And then you come back with some form of a counter and that's how you, that's how you win. That's how you end up playing the long game and, and winning those types of reps um, as a pass rusher. Sean, our first linebacker is Murray state inside linebacker, Anthony Koklanakis, six foot two twenty six, So productive. Most tackles for a returner, one twenty four, nine and a half tackles for loss. Three sacks, two passes defense, and one interception. Koklanakis is exactly what you want in your Mike linebacker and the guy that is manning the middle of your defense, makes his presence felt, and is always very active in chasing the ball down and just trying to swarm and find where he can get his his nose dirty at the end of a play, even if he's nowhere near it. He's also very slippery as a blitzer. He's, he's quick, quick-footed. He knows the right angles and, and body postures to kind of sneak his way past some of his, of his defensive linemen to come hit home. There was a play against Georgia where he did this, and he was able to sack Jake Fromm, who had no clue what to do in that situation. I have to say, though, his game against Georgia was incredibly good. And as we know as FCS players, if you stand out in games like this, that's how you make your money. That was how Isaiah Coulter got drafted was his performance against Virginia Tech. Koklanakis, that game against Georgia, I think that was really what put him on the map as one of the best defensive players in this conference and then also one of the more underrated returning guys at the FCS level. I completely agree. And that over 100 tackles in a year mark, uh, he's averaging, what is that, 12 tackles a game. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Our uh, our next player here, Austin P, defensive back, Cordell Jackson, uh, five foot eleven, 165 pounds. Last year, 47 tackles, eight tackles for loss, two sacks, seven interceptions, and three passes defended. I believe he led the Ohio Valley Football Conference in interceptions. Uh, and Joe, have you ever heard of Jimmy Moreland? Uh, I do know who Jimmy Moreland is. Okay, yes. well, Cordell Jackson is so incredibly similar to Jimmy Moreland because. Uh, people are speculating that he's going to go on and play slot at the next level, but at the same time, he could play. He could easily play corner, regular, um, uh, outside corner at the next level. Also, I mean, he's all over the place. Um, and he just their fundamentals and the way that they move and the way that they read balls. It's so similar to each other. It, it's it's striking how well how similar they are. And how often do you see a? corner with eight tackles for loss and the reason why he has that type of production is because they moved him around they used him in in various situations there was a play I watched I forget which game it was because I watched a couple Austin P games where he was rushing off the edge they know that he has the skill set the speed the athleticism to do those types of things to blitz to create pressure with him so I, I like seeing these guys that become chess pieces for defensive coordinators and they use that to their advantage Sean our next player is another chess piece that is UT Martin free safety Jacquez uh, is it Akins or Atkins I completely have just bought uh, I'm going with we Akins. did so well Akins uh, five foot nine 185 five and a half tackles for loss 92 tackles one interception and seven passes defensed he is a really big name to know and be aware of for next year he was moved around a lot he he primarily is going to probably be used as a a roaming free safety but you can still find ways to put him in the box and play him there and he's aggressive enough to succeed in those situations he's very good at space he moves around really quickly tracks the ball makes plays 
there were a couple plays, and there's one in particular I, I, I'm thinking of that kind of goes with this sense of moves well in space and tracks the ball well, where he was on the left side of the field and in a pretty low drop, but as soon as he saw where the ball was going, he completely flipped his hips and got back towards the middle of the, in the middle of the field and just barely missed on getting an interception because of that that style of range, hip fluidity, and movement skills that, that Atkins has. Uh, you just touched on it before I was going to touch on it. Um, the hips with uh, Atkins is so... Uh, they're so good the way that he he moves and switches up and transitions and the way that he he puts himself in the right defensive position. Uh, it all starts with the hips and and Aikens is is just really technically sound in that. Other than that, uh, I put down one note and that's that's beast. Uh, I think Aikens is a phenomenal uh, defensive back in the FCS and I think that uh, some team later on will would find a way to use him easily. Now the final player on our list here, Southeast Missouri. Defensive back, Bedarius Knighton, six feet tall, 197 pounds. Last year, 75 tackles, seven passes defended. And uh, Joe, um, I know we didn't do uh, the, um, for the people in the back uh, thing because we didn't have any super tall receivers. Uh, but for <laughs> the people in the back, uh, 75 tackles. Uh, that is a huge, huge upside for Southeast Missouri, who is losing a lot of players uh, this last year. Um, and Knighton coming back, uh, they know that they have somebody that's not going to be afraid to go up and make a tackle, make a play, and do what he needs to do. Yeah, Southeast Missouri State losing that pair of linebackers in the middle of their defense, but you, you're still bringing back a, a talented safety in Knighton. So that that's something that to really hang your hat on and having a, a key returner with Knighton. Sean, before we wrap up today's show, I want to tell our listeners about our sponsor for today's show. And folks, you probably could have guessed it. It is Bet Online. While you're waiting this out and we're slowly getting closer and closer to fully being able to go outside, some states have pretty much completely opened up. Uh, while you're still waiting this out, though, you can still have some fun betting with your Betting with your money with our partner, betonline.ag. Even though the NBA stopped and there was no NHL and the MLB is still trying to figure out their way back, the NBA did announce that it's coming back soon. NHL will be back at some point. We are not far away from live sports being back, so you'll be able to bet your money on Bet Online for that, so get prepared for that. However, in the meantime, NASCAR, UFC, other events like that are still going on. It's not like the beginning of quarantine when we were doing these reads and we were trying to guess what was still on. Things are coming back, folks, so you better start betting and making yourself some money on the side. Also, there's Madden and 2K simulations that you can bet on as well as their online casino with poker and blackjack. Also, be sure to check out the final dance with the roundtable interviews with ex-Chicago Bull Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan documentary. They're still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Sean, who is your player to watch for this Ohio Valley Conference? Who's the guy that you're excited to see in this upcoming season? My player to watch is Emmanuel Alanga. Uh, it, it's simply, um, I, I like the way that he plays. I like his motor. Uh, I, I just think that I'm just projecting a, a huge year for him. Uh, I think that when it comes to all the defensive players on this list, 
uh, he would probably be my front runner for defensive player of the year in the Ohio Valley football conference. While I like what we're getting from Olenga, I have to go with a player that is going to be a favorite for the offensive player of the year in this conference. That is Zara Cooper. Cooper has all of the skills, all of the traits that you want in a quarterback. And even though they had a down year last year, he still performed incredibly well. Everyone is going to be ready to contribute and support Cooper. He is going to have a really, really good year this season for his final year before he can hopefully make that next leap to the NFL. Sean, if we're picking a team that we think is a sleeping giant, and I think that's the perfect way to describe it. We're, we, we're in agreement here. Who do you think that is? Uh, I think it's Jacksonville State. I think they have, I mean, Cooper and um, the whole offense – uh, it, it, it's just, I, 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 I strongly see them, uh, outperforming expectations for them this year. I think they are my sleeper pick for this week or for this, uh, conference. I'm also going with Jacksonville state. They have been a really good program in this conference. And even though they had a down year, I think that's what makes them the case for biggest sleeper that they're ready to bounce back. They're always going to be a competitive team, uh, within this conference. Sean, how about Faller? Who do we think is going to drop off a little bit? For me, it's Southeast Missouri State. They are losing a ton of seniors. Uh, and I'm not going with Austin P just because they won the conference. Like some other people on this program, not naming names, not going to name names. So no need to, to interject. Uh, so I'm going to go with the second place team as my Faller. I, I, I don't think that Austin P will fall as much because they have a lot of returning talent. Uh, but I think Southeast or Missouri or Southeast Missouri uh, lost a ton of uh, uh, seniors and a lot of depth uh, this past offseason, so they are my biggest faller. While I agree with the logic, and I think it would be my second team to pick, I have to go with Austin P. I think they're just going to drop off by a couple games. If you're just looking at what they're losing, Javon Craig is gone. Kentel Williams, their starting running back, is gone, and that's just the the you know the cream of the crop. There's a lot of other key position players on their team that are not coming back. And that is a huge loss for an Austin P team that was riding a ton of momentum. And even though I always pick Austin P and I will always favor them for helping carry me through FC estimates last year, I have to pick them as a, a faller for this upcoming season, just because of the fact that they're losing a lot of key offensive leaders, as well as starters at multiple positions. Sean, to wrap up our show, who is your favorite to win the Ohio Valley? You know, I'm kind of going with a Kennesaw approach here, but I'm not uh, because uh, uh, Austin P is returning Cordell Jackson. They're returning. Uh, uh, they're they're returning um, Blake Mitchell. They are returning talent. They're returning D'Angelo Wilson. They have talent to bring back Joe. And I think that maybe it was a lot of a um, momentum run last year that propelled them on to the playoffs. And they were stellar. I think Javon Craig was probably the best player on that team last year by far. But I still think that they're in very good shape to repeat and win the OVFC this upcoming season. My pick has to be Jacksonville State. And I think last year was such an unprecedented season for Jacksonville State. I don't think anyone expected them to drop off the way they did. They're ready to rebound. They're coming back with so many key contributing starters and players ready to step in. I just I see that they have the perfect formula to come back full swing right back where they left off left off after this down year in 2019. So I I'm going a little bit crazy here, but I'm going Jacksonville State. Sean, who would you who would you guess that we picked last year though? 
I think I picked Tennessee Tech. No, we you probably did because you're a clown. But I we picked uh, we both picked Jacksonville State. Okay, well, shout out ED. Yeah. Um, well, that's gonna be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you may be listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it. We are there. You can tune in into us in any of those locations. If you still can't find us, go to Believe.com, spelled B-L-E-A-V.com, where you can find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing shows and also maybe a second show for Mr. Joe DeLeon. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, in addition to that, check us out on social media at Believe Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Sean at Sanderson Radio. Sean, next week we are moving on to the Big Sky. So folks, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.